Thank you for tuning into Air and Earth, the podcast that lifts you up and keeps you grounded. I'm your host, Melissa Moffat, and I'm here to share some information that I've found helpful in my own life, as well as interview people on topics ranging from self-love of body, soul, and mind, social, environmental, and animal justice, mindfulness, business, relationships, ethics, and so much more with the intention of supporting you on your healing and growth journey as you strive to love yourself, those around you, and the planet just a little more. Hey, everybody. This is episode 15 of Air and Earth. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We have an awesome, motivating, inspiring, educational episode on the table for you today. It's all about veganism, but also how we can tie that into social justice. So how our food impacts others. We have Lauren Ornelas, who is the founder and executive director of Food Empowerment Project. It's an incredible organization that does great work in the world. Lauren is so informed and so educated. She has been working in the animal rights and social justice movement for over 30 years. So her knowledge base is incredible. I was honestly so, so inspired by speaking with her, so honored to have her come and share on this podcast. So I know this episode is going to be really beneficial if you are someone who is open and you are wanting to learn and you are wanting to do good things for the world. This episode is for you. So all I ask is that if you find this episode inspiring, please share it up, share in your Instagram story, tell your friends, post on your Facebook wall, do whatever you need to do to get the word out there about this podcast episode, or if you're enjoying the other episodes of this podcast, it helps me so much, honestly. Like, I see you guys sharing on your stories, and first of all, my heart is touched every single time, and second of all... It just helps me continue to be able to make this podcast and keep it going, have more listeners, and I just, I freaking appreciate it a lot. And plus with this episode, this is such a powerful episode, it's an important topic, super important, so it would be super helpful for you to share. Also, go like, review, um, rate, subscribe, do all the things, leave a review if you're listening on iTunes, that also helps so much in spreading the word for the podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, I just want to remind you of a few things coming up on the radar. My Iceland retreat with Michaela Millington, which runs from October 10th to the 15th, is available to sign up. It's going to be an incredible trip. We're going to be practicing meditation, journaling. Michaela is an incredible yoga teacher. We'll be hiking in Iceland. We'll be having fun little dance parties and sharing circles and just really getting to know each other and have fun. The group is starting to fill up and we do have limited spots. Um, Everyone who's coming on the trip so far is an incredible person. It's going to be a really inspiring group. And if you want to get involved and come on the trip, the link is down below in the show notes. You can find out more information on my website or just feel free to reach out to me as well. Also, if you are interested in the next round of Worthy, which is my nine-week course that is about stepping into your fullest potential, owning your worth, believing in yourself, and using your gifts to help the world by learning mindfulness techniques and self-reflective practices, 
applications will open up on April 22nd, and the next round classes will begin June 3rd. I'll have the link down below in the show notes to sign up for the waitlist. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's, it's honestly a big honor to have you on. Um, I Yeah, I'm just really excited to talk to you more about Food Empowerment Project. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay, so we're just going to dive right into the questions. So you personally, you've been an animal rights activist for over 30 years, and you have a beautiful history with the movement. And I was wondering if first you would take us back and talk about your involvement and what led you to be interested in, in veganism and activism on a wide range of fronts in the first place. Well, I think that, um, ironically, um, it happened when I was pretty young. I was about four or five and was eating chicken. And I asked my mom, where did this chicken come from? Um, and she said, a chicken. And I was pretty upset to realize that I was eating an animal. And so I pretty much decided to stop eating animals at that point. And I was vegetarian in elementary school. Um, and eventually we got to a point where my family, my mom raised my sisters and I by herself. So we didn't have a lot of money after a while. And I wasn't really able to stick with being vegetarian. Um, but my mom also raised me with an understanding of the great boycott. Um, started by, um, well, Larry Itliong, who's a Filipinx um, farm organizer, um, which then eventually became part of the United Farm Workers work, started by Dolores Huerta and Cesar Chavez. Um, so my mom raised me with an understanding of the great boycott and knowing about injustices against farm workers. Um, so I had this understanding of food. You know, I, I actually really understood at a young age what the food was about, um, but I didn't really able, I wasn't able to stick with being vegetarian until I was about 16 years old. Um, And then between I was 17 and 18, I actually went vegan. Um, I didn't even know about veganism, didn't know anything about animal rights. But when I was in high school, I had, um, I took an ecology class and the teacher there, so this was in the 80s, (laughs) um, the teacher there did a whole slide presentation on wildlife management, which was all about hunting. And I was just really upset. Like, there has to be another side of the story about, like, that you don't have to kill animals. And so he was like, tell somebody who cares. Like, he was tired of all my questions. And then I eventually learned about a local animal rights group in 1987. And then I immediately got involved with their work. Um, But I was also involved at that time with the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa and learning more and more about companies that were still vested in apartheid and slowly trying to not eat foods that were participating in that type of injustice. So in my mind and in my life was a lot of understanding about the power of our food choices and how food can be a tool for social change. So in 88, I went vegan and got, I was already involved in the animal rights movement in 87 and pretty much just, I went to college to do animal rights. I took all the courses that the animal rights people thought I should take and, um, pretty much been it ever since 1987. That's incredible, honestly. Um, yeah, it's, I, I feel like I'm very new into learning about how food impacts, you know, every, everyone. It's, it's a very complicated system and it, it reaches further than we realize, you know, just seeing it on our plate. 
and it's incredible hearing that history. So thank you for sharing that. So will you talk a bit about um, founding Food Empowerment Project? When when that came about, what gaps you were seeing and and yeah, how you how you started the organization? Sure. I think when I, you know, when I got into animal rights, it was, you know, the easiest thing for me to do at that time, you know, versus some of the other issues that I was interested in is really just delve head on into animal rights issues because it was something I was doing every single day, you know, not consuming animals or not buying products that were tested on animals. And it seemed like a more immediate thing I could do. And over time, it's, you know, I did investigations of factory farms and slaughterhouses, and it's pretty much what I dedicated my life to, but still that understanding about oppression in the food system to human animals was always in my subconscious. And so when I learned about what was happening in Western Africa for chocolate, I just realized like I couldn't, I couldn't look at chocolate the same again. And during this time was also when the farm workers were debating on boycotting strawberries. And so when I would do interviews about my investigations of factory farms or slaughterhouses, I would bring up, you know, that I don't eat chocolate as well, because at that time I didn't eat any chocolate. Um, and I would start talking about the plight of farm workers or what was happening in Western Africa. And a lot of people in the animal movement accused me of being unfair to the animals, the, the non-human animals, and said I was actually hurting the movement and I was hurting non-human animals by talking about these other issues. And for me, my life was changed just like the first time I ever saw a baby chick having the tip of her beak cut off for the egg industry. Mm-hmm. I felt the same way uh, when I learned about slavery in the chocolate industry. And I realized that I could no longer, you know, people could criticize me for talking about these human rights abuses in the food industry, but not if it was part of the mission of an organization I started myself. And so I realized that I wanted to start my own organization where I could talk about all of these issues as equal and that they were all important issues and it wasn't one or the other, it was all the same. And to show how important it was that these issues were connected. And, you know, at the time, I didn't know if anybody would agree with me other than my handful of friends, but um, obviously over time, um, we're still small though. Um, we've been around since 2007 and we're, we're a staff of four, whereas there are organizations who are much younger than us that have much larger staffs. But, um, you know, we are understanding that not everybody gets where we're at, but we hope that people do grow into that, you know, understanding the connections of these issues and that it's okay to have a a wide circle of compassion. Mm. Well, I really appreciate it. I I found you also on Instagram. And I, I started, you know, scrolling through and scrolling through and then going to the website. And I, I feel like I've learned so much, honestly, from what you all share and your, your mission. And so, yeah, yeah. it's, it's incredible. Thank you for being open to that. And thank you for being open to learn because, you know, we don't know everything either, right? We're always learning more things mm-hmm. in the food industry. And so we're open to, you know, we know we have a lot to learn and that there's always more that we can do and, you know, that we owe it to ourselves to be informed consumers. Definitely agreed. And I I come back to that all the time. I live, I'm from, you know, a really small town in the Southern United States where when I went, when I went vegan, I knew one other vegan. I knew of her (laughs) and I reached out to her and I'm like, can you help me? And, and, you know, it's, the more I learned, the more I realized how much I, I was ignorant to and how much I've messed up. I've said wrong things, but I think the key is just to keep staying open and having conversations and, 
and, and being willing and to learn and being willing learn. to exactly yeah. exactly and knowing that there's still so much to learn and so many ways that we can continue continue working and learning and how that will continue bettering society even though it feels sometimes uncomfortable and all of that you know yeah. it's worth it it's worth yes. it awesome. so I really appreciate your mission I really do so will you will you talk a little more about the work that food empowerment project does so you mentioned the chocolate what other what other so, type of work do you do so our main focus areas are actually four which we feel mm-hmm. are very much connected and one is veganism for the animals Um, We do, um, we have our website, Vegan Mexican Food in English and in Spanish, and we're in the process of creating vegan Filipino food as well. Um, And then we also have some outreach efforts that we do. One, Fight for the Ocean, and another one, since we're based in Sonoma County, which is where a lot of people are familiar with the so-called happy cows, um, we do outreach actually with the cows to remind people about who they are getting this milk from and who it is that's being impacted by their choices. Um, but obviously doing vegan work, we also talk about farm worker justice issues because pretty much unless you're growing your own food, you have a farm worker to thank for what you're eating. And especially vegans whose diets are primarily based on plants. Um, so we do, we advocate for, you know, any, ad, any legislation or policy for farm workers. We support the corporate campaigns called by farm workers. Um, we also do a school supply drive for the children of farm workers every year. Um, so that's kind of our outreach in that area. And then we work on lack of access to healthy foods and communities of color, because we know that not everybody has the same access to healthy food. And if we want less suffering for non-human animals and we want more people to go vegan, then we need to help create a more equitable Mm -hmm. society where everybody has access to healthy foods. And so we do that by research, focus groups, um, corporate campaigning, um, as well as we're trying to bring a worker-owned cooperative to one of the communities we work in. Mm-hmm. And then, as I mentioned, one of our last areas is our work on chocolate industry and trying to get transparency from companies. So with that, we have a list of chocolate we do and don't recommend that's also available in app forms. Um, and basically, a company has to at least make one vegan chocolate to make our list. And um, then we contact companies to find out where their chocolate is sourced from. And we just make sure we don't recommend any chocolate that's sourced from areas where child labor and slavery is the most prevalent. Amazing. Yeah, a wide, a wide range of really important things. So for the people listening who might not, and for myself too, who, who is learning, um, will you talk a little more about the connection of food and people? So things like um, you know, there's, there's still slavery involved in, in food industry. There's, you know, there's terrible conditions for, for people who work in factory farms and, um, there's, there's food deserts and all of these things that are interconnected. Could you, um, just give us some of your incredible knowledge that you have. <laughs> I can always learn more. But I'll say, yeah, I mean, I think that the basic and like when you think about food, it's the most vulnerable um, who are oppressed and exploited. So obviously non-human animals for their babies, their flesh, everything about them is exploited. And then you have the non, uh, you have the human animals who are impacted by in the factory farms and the slaughterhouses. And a lot of these workers tend to be undocumented. Um, a lot of them are immigrants who are exposed to, you know, not only the horrific idea of killing 
a living being every single day. But threats with deportation, you know, stories that come out about, you know, farm workers, slaughterhouse workers who, um, those who speak Spanish don't get breaks to go to the restroom, um, but white workers will. So you have, you know, again, a system of racism which seeks to uh, oppress and exploit even some of the most vulnerable humans in our society. Um, they are often injured on the job. You know, a lot of them can be, are killed. Um, so that's just in, you know, the factory farm realm. You have environmental racism that takes place where factory farms and slaughterhouses tend to be located where predominantly people of color are living who are going to be more impacted by negative pollutants than a wider, more affluent area. Um, and here you have, you know, people whose property values are worthless because nobody wants to live next to a pig farm. Their health is impacted by headaches and nosebleeds or asthma. Um, and, uh, you know, all of that is just part of the animal agriculture industry. But, you know, again, the vast majority of people, farmers, uh, I'm sorry, um, farm workers for produce are also people of color, many of whom are undocumented. The women who cross the border sometimes get on birth control because rape is so prevalent on the border. Um, you have, you know, UC Berkeley came out with a study about rape and sexual harassment being rampant in the fields. And these are people who put food on our table. Now, these are people who are suffering from people stealing their wages, who are homeless, who are living in cardboard boxes or in trucks. Um, and again, this, this is, they are the working poor. These are people who are working and still can barely make ends meet. And they feed everybody in the country. Um, so, and again, when you look at lack of access for healthy foods, it's predominantly people of color and indigenous communities who don't have the same access to fresh fruit and vegetables um, as other communities do, where they have um, problems created by corporations. And our work um, looking in Vallejo, California, where we're currently doing our work, um, there was a Safeway grocery store located in downtown Vallejo where there was a, a adults, older adults living there as well as people of color. And we found out that Safeway left downtown location, moved several miles away, and placed a restrictive deed on their former property, preventing grocery stores from moving in for up to 15 years. Mm. And we know this is something they've done across the country. It's not just there. It's just something that they do. And they have no regard for public health. They have no regard for or even thought about how this has impacted children and communities um, and the health of these people. Um, so we have a corporate campaign against Safeway for this injustice. So again, you know, we're talking about the most impacted in society who brunt the most abuses and egregious cases of injustice um, in the food industry. Mm. Will you talk about how chocolate impacts people? Yeah, so basically, this is something that we, again, we're always learning, right? So predominantly, the majority of chocolate, um, about 70%, comes from Ghana and the Ivory Coast. So in Western Africa is where you have some of the worst forms of child labor and um, slavery going on for the chocolate industry, where you have children, young children, who are forced to carry bags of cacao pods that are about 44 pounds. You have them using heavy machetes to cut cacao beans out of the trees, you have some children who are kidnapped, sold, stolen, um, and others who their families think they're going to get a job and be able to send money back, um, who are sometimes locked in at night and not allowed to escape. Some children who are beaten, and all of this for chocolate. 
Um, so we've been talking about that issue for quite some time. And this year, I guess within the past year, but late last year, um, we found out that some of these abuses are taking place in Brazil as well. So um, Brazil, a lot of the children, um, they are actually slaves there as well who have been liberated, just like in Western Africa. But there are actually a lot of children who are working with their parents. And a lot of people say, well, if they're working with their parents, it's okay. But the parents themselves are saying, you know, if I didn't have to have my child work, my child would be in school right now. So that's a problem that, again, this industry is, you know, out for profits at any expense. Mm. So what would you say to someone who might be hearing all of this and feel, feel yeah. overwhelmed? Overwhelmed, <laughs> absolutely. I hear that a lot. And yeah. I understand it, right? Like I absolutely, you know, I had the privilege of going vegan and then learning about this stuff, right? So mm -hmm. it wasn't all on me at once. And I get that. It absolutely can be overwhelming. And couple things. One is that I ask people to look at these as opportunities to help create positive change in the world, to eat their ethics, you know, that they don't support the suffering of non-human animals and they have access to healthy foods to, to go vegan. Um, but also to, to take it in steps. You know, for me, veganism is, you know, the bottom line with chocolate because I don't see how anybody can eat chocolate when they know slavery um, and child labor is still going on, when it is 100% a luxury. Um, so I feel like those, um, very, you know, again, if you have access to going ve healthy foods and going vegan is, is not too difficult for you, but also making sure, you know, the chocolate issue with our app and our list, we make it pretty easy for you. And then disrespecting the boycott of farm workers. Um, so, I mean, there's obviously more things we can all and should do, but I think that for me, those are, you know, some of the pretty basic is just like not supporting, you know, slavery, <laughs> that, that we yeah. even have to talk about that, um, yeah. you know, is, is, is uh, it, it, it angers me greatly um, that we have to talk about slavery still today. Mm -hmm. And rightfully so, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I 100% agree on that. I, I still, I know I have so much to learn, but every, everyone that I've, I've spoken to who, and I've, I think this can be true for so many things. If you're, if you're trying to be better with, you know, your waste production for the environment yeah. or like using plastic or any, any of those, those issues, it can, it can feel like a lot if you're, if you're really learning about what's going on in the world and you're like, I want to do better. I want to, I want to do better. I want to do better, but taking small steps and, and then being open to talk about it, too. Abs I think being open is the key. I mean, you're absolutely right, because so many people get defensive, and vegans get defensive, right? They say, mm -hmm. I mean, we get some horrible, horrible things sent to us by vegans about, you know, why should I care about humans, you know? And mm -hmm. I feel like it's a similar thing that we don't like that reaction when we talk to people about non-human animals. You know, we don't like them acting like who cares about these animals because we know, you know, we know how much they suffer and we know that, that they, they need us to, to help advocate for them. And mm -hmm. so I think that as much as we want people to be open to our message, we need to be open to the message of, of other abuses, especially in the food industry, because it is something we're talking about when we talk about veganism. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And then by having that openness and 
being willing to have these conversations and then also go and have conversations with someone, you know, like we're, we're all in our, our spot where we're learning, you know, but I'm learning from you in this moment, but I might go and have a conversation and trigger something in someone else based on something you told me and just ripple out from there. So as long as we're still, we're, we're speaking up for others even if it feels uncomfortable, but we're also, and, you know, trying to educate others, but with compassion and, but we're open to, to, you know, criticisms as well. And not criticism is in in a way that's, you know, bad, but in a way that's like, okay, I could change this and possibly impact the world in this way. And that's a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm really thankful to, to have these conversations and um once again I'm thankful for the work you all do and it, it really inspires me and um makes me want to make better choices and also makes me want to um yeah just just have a better better impact and yeah so <laughs> so what then would you say to someone I think sometimes um people can get overwhelmed with the idea of veganism Mm -hmm. because uh, sometimes it can be seen as something that's um, expensive and um, it can also be overwhelming because if, if we're used to eating a certain way for so long um, as many of us are, that can be overwhelming as well. So what would you suggest to someone who, who is interested in picking up these, this new way of living, but maybe doesn't know where to start? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's it's a funny one for me because I'm like, yeah, what was that like? Because it was so long ago. And, <laughs> yeah. and back in the 80s, there were not the options we have today, you know? Yeah, watch uh, a bunch of YouTube videos. <laughs> um, I think that the first thing is being patient with themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that, that getting frustrated with yourself on something like this doesn't do anybody any good because we're going to, you know, you're going to make mistakes and it's okay. Um, but I think the important thing is to stick with trying um, because if you want to not contribute to the suffering of non-human animals, it's one of the best things you can do. Um, so I think that really, really being patient with yourself and you know, I think that dealing with other people is what's really hard, too, if your family and your friends aren't vegan. I mean, in some regards, it's a lot easier to figure out, like, going to the grocery store and figuring out to eat or looking online for vegan recipes than it is, like, how do I deal with my family and my friends? Um, and, and then living in a world that where suffering, the suffering of non-human animals is well around us, you know, whether it be mm-hmm. products tested on animals or the food that we eat or, you know, we just were protesting the circus this week. You know, I mean, it's around. And so I think it's a matter of allowing yourself to um, grieve, you know, for mm-hmm. the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, my husband, Mark Hawthorne, um, wrote a book called A Vegan Ethic. And, um, you know, talks in there about, you know, like, we don't need to abuse ourselves. Like, once we know what's happening to non-human animals, it doesn't mean that we need to continue to watch graphic images. Yeah. You know, like, be good to yourself, be good to your heart, take care of yourself, because if you get it, you don't necessarily need to abuse yourself. Um, So I think that sometimes we feel 
that, and I don't know how good that is for us. If we already know what's happening and somebody's striving to do that, I think their energy is spent um, fostering the compassion they have in themselves instead of like curling up in a fetal position because what's happening to non-human animals is so horrible. Um, but I think really just being patient with themselves, try to take what people say as a compliment. I know that when people would say, oh, Lauren, I had ribs now, last night and I thought about you. You know, instead of taking that as a bad thing, I'd be like, that's so great that you understood you were eating an animal. <laughs> you know, like, I'm glad you connected the two, that you knew those weren't just ribs, that those ribs mm-hmm. belonged to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, so to try to, and that's, this comes with like 31 years of being vegan and looking back. I mean, when I was 18, 17, I was like telling my family how horrible and selfish they were, you know? So I'm like, that's not how I was, but I'm just trying to encourage, you know, how to be now. And I think that just being, um, you know, trying different things, you know, different vegan cheeses. I think we're pretty good on the ice cream. Just <laughs> there's so much good yeah. vegan ice cream out there, but I think, yeah, for sure. yeah, try the different cheeses, try the different, oh, so many variety of of plant-based milks in there, you know, to try all the different ones and see what you like. And you may not like some stuff and that's okay. You don't have to be a vegan and like everything just because it's vegan, even though we all pretend that we do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's honestly amazing, amazing how, you know, if you're trying to make the transition and you're used to eating, you know, like ice cream and, and all the things, there's so many products out there. Um, but then it's also, you know, like it's it's nice to to get more connected with your food too. And I think veganism can do that once you start realizing that, you know, like you mentioned about the ribs, that this came from an animal. Then you start being like, okay, where did this, things start clicking? You're like, yeah, where yeah. did this corn come from? Where did, what is this loaf of bread? Like, you know. Totally. And, and then don't you, you kind of get horrified too because you're like, that's what you know what is it like melted hooves you're like this is gross I know I know <laughs> I told someone once what gelatin was and they did not believe me they did not yeah, they sure were like, they no no and they had to they searched it they had to google it they would not believe me and I was like told you I told right? you uh, yeah. who thought of this horrific thing to do just like really god foie gras who thought of that just, I know oh. I know I know. And I love what you mentioned too about, you know, watching videos. So many people, um, they, they first, you know, people will know and they'll say, yeah, it's a good idea. But sometimes it it takes that like watching earthlings or, you know, like, you know, seeing, actually seeing it to make, make the connection. Totally. I know personally, I really needed that. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't watch, I'm, you know, I can't watch any gore, do that kind of thing, like movies, but for, because this was so real and this is true. And, you know, in other areas of activism as well, you kind of have to like feel that pain. You have to see it, feel it and feel that heartbreak to actually want to stick with it and want to do something about it. And you know, I watched so much stuff whenever I was first making this transition so that I would stick with it so that I would get really passionate and, and be like, okay, I'm not going to eat that piece of wedding cake. 
yeah, I, I went around totally. time to all of my friends. I went to 12 weddings the first year I was vegan. Whoa, oh my yeah. gosh. In a year, <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to eat that wedding cake because I know where, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and it works. That that does really, um, it gives you that motivation. But then I also loved what you mentioned about, okay, you don't have to, you don't have you can use your energy to focus then on solutions and putting it toward, um, you know, speaking and acting and, and sharing instead of, instead of, because there is so much pain involved in it. Yeah. And I mean, as somebody who did investigations at factory farms, I am glad people watch the videos, but I think that we get to a certain point after you're already vegan and you're good with it, that, I don't know if your people harm themselves too because they get sunk in that depression mm-hmm. because it's all around us. And then now we're watching it on video too. But I absolutely, it's important and critical that people inform themselves. And if they need to see it, that they watch videos because that is what's going to kick a lot of people off. But, you know, also tell ourselves it's okay if a new investigation came out and we don't want to watch it. Mm. So it seems like you, you kind of have to have, a little bit of a balance maybe yeah. if, you're doing, yeah. if you're doing <laughs> activism work um, or you're interested in activism or you're interested in learning or you're interested in just, you know, educating yourself so that you'll make better choices. So how, like, how do you, how do you kind of find that balance? How would you suggest others find that balance of, of not getting to, you know, because you have you have to read, you have to stay informed. Yep. But you also yep. don't want to be into a, a place of such, um, you know, pessimism that you you have to have a sense of optimism still in order to keep acting and moving forward and yep. and and being that that light of progress. So how do you, how do you approach that that balance? Um, I think I struggle with balance, to be yeah. honest. Um, I tend to work a lot. Um, so I, (laughs) it's more like do what I say, not do what I do kind of thing. You know, like I work a lot. I, you know, pretty much all my interests, because I've been doing this for so long is really revolved around, you know, specific things, but I do for my staff, you know, I do try to encourage them to take breaks, to vacation, sending them cheap flight information so they can go on holiday. And I think that for me, one of the best things that I can do is, is because I like to learn all the time is travel is probably the one thing I is very important to me to keep that balance to where I'm learning. Um, rather it be because I'm not from California. I'm originally from Texas. So anywhere, anything is pretty much learning. You know, I, so many people are like, you know, they live in a town and they're like, Oh, I've never even been to the museum in my town. And I'm like, how do you, you got to learn, you know, there's always things. And so like finding things just to, to, you know, it's like an escape, right? You're either learning about art or you're learning about history or you're out in nature. I mean, those for mm-hmm. me are the escapes that I want, you know, because it's, well, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm like, of course I think of ways this can be entangled with animals, but for the most part, um, you know, you just kind of let go a little bit, but you know, balance is, is totally important. I think that one of the things people don't do enough of is taking care of themselves Mm -hmm. um, when they start doing activism. And, you know, I'm one of those people and it's, it's struggle, but I think that I'm often inspired by young people, people, your generation inspire me endlessly, um, because you all are creating so much change. And you are, 
you have so much power and smarts. It's like you all like get this stuff. I mean, the fact that you get what it is that we do is beautiful. And I feel like there's a whole gap of people and generations above you who don't get it. But the fact that you do gives me so much hope. And so that inspires me too. I'm going to shed a little tear. (laughs) What's interesting too is that it seems like, it seems like that's how things kind of go. I, I, I've taught young people for a while dance and it's like so many of them, they just kind of like, they're just so tolerant, you know? And I'm like, wow, look at that. You, you like, you know, you, you have a trans kid in your class and everybody, he's like the cool kid, you know? That's fantastic. Yes. It's so beautiful to see, honestly. But, and I think too, I was just thinking when you were speaking you know, like balance is such a, it's like, what does that even mean? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it's probably maybe balance isn't the right word, but it, it, it changes day to day. And I think it's important to remember that if, you know, if you're wanting to, to do meaningful work in the world and you're wanting to find that sense of fulfillment through helping others, it's okay to have times that feel hard because that's life. Yeah. Otherwise you're numbing yourself. Totally. And it's in, you know, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. And I also think it's so important for people to do what they need to, to not be bitter. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds funny, but you know, after doing this a while, you just realize like, wow, that person just got real bitter. You know, you're just mm-hmm. like, oh gosh, the world's, you know, we've got to keep doing what we do. And, and then the, the better, face we put on about what we're doing for non-human animals and human animals is about compassion. We got to show that we have that for other people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And for ourselves and for yeah. ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's all connected. It's all connected. So one, well, one of the many things I love about food empowerment project is, um, you know, it's, you, you talk about veganism, but you're also, it's very inclusive. So within your mission statement, you know, it's, it's founded by women of color. Um, and then in your mission statement, you include that you take a stance against racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, ageism, and body shaming, shaming. And I was wondering why you all felt, how, how did you come to a place and why did you feel that that was important to include those viewpoints within your mission? Um, To me, it was really important because personally, I wanted people who are those things to know that they're not welcome in our organization. So if someone thinks they can post something anti-trans or fat shaming, they don't belong with us. We're not, we're going to block them. We're going to, they're not allowed to post because our website, our social media is a safe place for people. And, you know, I, you know, I, it's, it's pretty just that it. They aren't welcome mm-hmm. in a group, people who think that way. And I thought it was important for people to know because people would post on my blogs or anything like that um, things that I found to be racist or problematic. And, you know, it was like, aren't you afraid you're going to offend X, Y, or Z people? And I'm like, well, no, because our group isn't made for them. Mm-hmm. I started this organization. I'm a woman of color. This is my stance. And luckily I have a staff who happens to all be women of color as well who agree with this stance. 
and we don't we don't want that and it's not welcome. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of like, we're just drawing the line. And unfortunately, this is stuff that I've also seen this movement do for 30 plus years. So it was important to say, you know, this, we're not going to work with you and we don't tolerate it. Good. So, Good. yeah, I mean, it's a scary thing, right? You see something posted and you're like, uh, oh, freedom of speech or something. And I'm like, well, no, because this is a safe place. And if somebody sees a comment like that, they're not going to feel like FEP is safe for them and they need another safe here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's incredible. So yeah, we covered a lot. Um, I, I just want to say that I really, I really admire um, you personally and food empowerment project and all the work you all do. And I'm going to keep, educating myself through your platform and through the resources that you all put out. And I, whoever's listening, I really encourage you to do the same. Um, you know, like we mentioned, small steps, just start, just start learning, just start getting curious about it. And as you learn the, the changes you'll want to change naturally and you'll, you'll find the ways to change. Um, we have a top 10 list on it, like a 10 things you can do for your eating habits. You can check out on our website and for you and anybody else as well, we also want to learn more. So you're always welcome to send us articles and help us stay on top of things as well. I love that. So what other ways can, if people are listening in and they want to um, support Food Empowerment Project, they want to you know, find out more, how, how can they do that? Well, we, our website is foodispower.org, and we also have veganmexicanfood.com, and both websites are fully in English and in Spanish. And uh, we're on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so if people want to follow us and share anything, that would be great. Um, we have our chocolate app that people can download, um, and we update that list every month. And what else? Share and sign our Safeway petition. Ah. And, of course, we always accept donations. And we also have a place on our website to volunteer. So there's a volunteer form that people can fill out as well. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to check out all of those things personally, even more so than I already have. And, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, there's always more to learn. There's always more to read. And, yeah, and, yeah, I would just encourage people to get involved, start educating yourself, um, volunteer, donate. It's so important to to the causes that we believe in to, to give our energy, to give our money, to give our time and to give our voice to these matters. So yeah, I would just encourage everyone listening in to do that. And everything that we talked about will be linked in the show notes. So check that out. And once again, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. I I really appreciate it so much. And the people listening in, I know appreciate it as well. Um, So yeah, thank you. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for your beautiful energy. Well, everyone listening, I hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time.